Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us this morning. Yeah, we're talking about being the church. You are the church. You're the church when you're here. You're the church when you're sleeping. You're the church when you're at work. You are the church. Um, and what's interesting to me is that so often we associate uh, with brick and mortar. And in fact, I marvel at how much human beings worship brick and mortar. We, we say, that's our church. That's our church. That one right there. And the, the, the reality is that the, the, the church of Jesus Christ moves fluently throughout the city of Kelowna. And uh, once you know that, that uh, we have a function and a role as, a, as, the, as the body of Christ in Kelowna, then we, we learn how to, how to lean into that. I want to read a passage for you out of 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. This is a letter from Paul and Silas and Timothy. We are writing to the church in Thessalonica. To you who belong to God the Father and to the Lord Jesus Christ, may God give you grace and peace. We always thank God for all of you and pray for you constantly. As we pray to our God and Father about you, we, we think of your faithful work, your loving deeds, the enduring hope that you have because of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is, that's a beautiful thing. If somebody were to send you a letter, I was just thinking about you. Just, I'm just really captured by your faithful work, your loving deeds, and your enduring hope. Have you ever uh, read scriptures, and I, I'm asking, it's rhetorical because I know it's true. Have you read the scriptures and, and then you, you, you figure out how to actually work that scripture into your life, how to appropriate it into your life, and you just come up blank? And we, I do that with the, the promises of, you know, of the, of, like for instance, through the Psalms and the Proverbs. We take the promises and we... we we wrap our faith around them, and then we say, God, I'm claiming that for my life, but really beyond that, how, what else do you do? And I found this to be true. You see, I, I, I still do that, but I've also learned this, that as you begin to look at some of the promises of God, Many of them, the context of this letter, many of the, the context of many of the promises of God are actually bigger than just me. They are about we. The context for the promises is we. And when God gives us promises, even when they're for me, those promises are in the context of me being part of we. Is that utterly confusing? You see, God created you to live your life in a herd, in a tribe, in the context of community. You, 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 you were wired in such a way that you would thrive when you're in community. And, 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 and I do believe with all my heart that God can use you individually. I think God could use you profoundly as an individual. But whatever God can do through you as an individual, it pales in comparison to what happens when you bring who you are 
to the tribe, to the community. And you begin to allow God to work through you and with you as you are working with others. There are things that God wants to do for you. There are things that God wants to do for us individually that he will only do through us corporately. And maybe maybe, maybe God is just waiting for you to be part of a community, to step into the community in order to step into the promises. If you are trying to do your life alone, you will be utterly frustrated. If your life is about your, your personal greatness, your personal brand, you're going to be really frustrated. If the dream that you have is something you can pull off by yourself, I am sorry, but the dream is too small. Because your capacity and your potential, and, and, and it multiplies exponentially with every person that is part of your destiny. Don't you understand in so many ways your net worth is your network and your network is your net worth. The tribe that you belong to is absolutely everything. One of the things I've come to realize is that God always moves true to his nature and he is a God of community. He lives and moves as, as the father as the Son, as the Holy Spirit. He is a God of community. And God is looking for people who will lay down their egos, people who, who put aside their pride, people who stop worrying about their own brand and come together to, 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 to make a difference, come together to become a, a, an impact that we could never establish or never have by ourselves. And I actually think, I think that by his design, we, we have our, make our greatest contributions. Our greatest contributions only when we merge our lives with other human beings and we serve each other and we serve others together. Now, I'm not specifically, when I talk about community and tribe, I'm not actually just promoting our tribe, our vision, our values. We have all of those things and, and we belong together and we are better together. But you see, like I said, you belong to the body of Christ, which is much bigger than this. And I know that your lives are connected to other believers that are outside of this scope. And so uh, use that to, as, as your definition of, of church and community, okay? I think it's important. I'm talking about living in community with other Christians with a functional faith that releases the fragrance of God in such a beautiful way whenever you set your hand to something together. Do you realize that all over Canada, all over the United States, city planners are just creating communities and they're creating them in such a way that there's no room for church permits for religious gathering permits, for building permits for churches. And they're not doing it to, to, to you know, out of a spirit of antichrist. They just don't see the church as significant to the future of the community. And quite frankly, that's not on them, that's on us. We've become irrelevant. 
I don't think people really care. They don't know and they don't care what we talk about when we close the door. They don't care. They don't know what we sing about because it doesn't touch their lives. It doesn't impact their lives. What we do in here so often has nothing to do with where we are planted. One of the reasons that they, they, they just don't see that we are vital to the future. And I, and I think it's time to recapture our relevance as the church in Kelowna, to recapture our relevance and our value. You remember when God said to Abraham, uh, Abraham, I'm, I'm, I'm going to bless you and you're going to be a blessing. And then he actually went on to say, and all the peoples of the world will be blessed because of you. Okay. And those who bless you will be blessed. Well, wouldn't it be amazing if we walked in that same mantle and that those, every, every community where people were gathering in the name of Jesus, the grass is just a little greener. The people were just a little better. Businesses are more efficient, more functional. The, 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 the streets are just a little safer. Could you imagine? If, if, but you know what? That wouldn't happen just because there's some magical anointing on us. It would happen because we'd be leaning into the community, into the streets, into the businesses, into the people. Serving, caring, loving. You can pray all you want, but get up and do something. Get up and invest your, your life into other people. I think for so long we have seen everybody out there that doesn't agree with what we preach, that we've seen them as, as, as opposition. We've seen them as them and us. But one of the greatest ways to exp express our functional faith is by giving our lives away and serving them. But giving our lives to serving their felt needs. Giving our lives to making a difference for them. Paul wrote to Timothy. And he said, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant. Nor to put their hope in wealth. Which is so uncertain. But to put their hope in God who is richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Then he said this, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of life that is truly life. They may take hold of life that is truly life. Paul, you know what? I mean, this guy is so sagely. He is so experienced. He, he comes, he, you know, he made his missionary journeys and he connected with all these people and, and he, got, he just got beat up and he laid down his life for them and he loved them and he set them up. And so now he's writing to them and that doesn't rehash a lot of the old stuff. He goes right to the stuff that really matters. To the stuff that really matters. He says, take hold of life that is truly life. He brings us back and he says this. You want to make a difference? You're, you're, you're the church of Thessalonica. You belong to the city. 
the church of Thessalonica, the church of Cologne, he said, you want to make a difference? It's just like this. Do good. Be rich in good deeds. Be generous. Be willing to share that you may take hold of life that is truly life. He's saying, you want to lean your ladder against the building? Lean it against this one. This one. You can chase your tail and get nowhere. Lean your life into this and you will make a difference. I have a friend who, um, uh, his, when, when him and his wife were just early, newlyweds, well, not really newlyweds, they had a couple kids, they moved to Chicago, and, and he, he, got, he, he took up a job there and didn't know anything about Chicago and ended up renting in kind of a poor district the basement suite of a big old house. And he said, I had no idea how cold Chicago gets. I had no idea. And he said that this, this little dungy, dark basement suite was just, you know what, it was all we could afford, but we hated being down there. He said the, the high point of living in that house was that the family that was renting upstairs was also a young family. He said they were the most beautiful Christian people he'd ever met. And so often on cold days, they would invite us upstairs to have lunch with them so we could thaw out. And one day in the middle of lunch, they said, we have an idea. The upstairs here is way more house than we need. And your area is so dark and awful. Why don't we just open the door between our two suites? Let's share the house together. Let's share our food together. And my friend said that they, 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 they lived in that arrangement for 10 years. He said it was the most life-giving experience he'd ever had, period. He shared everything. We worked through differences. We, 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 we shared grocery bills. We shared heating costs. We shared, we shared rent. We shared it all. Did you know that the... the the culture of the first century church was sharing. The Bible says they gave as any had need. Now, now sharing is different, isn't it? Me, 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 you need a vehicle and I have an extra one. I'd rather give you a vehicle in all honesty than share mine with you. Because you're annoying. And I have to be attached to you when you're annoying. And then I have to pick you up and you're going to delay me and you're going to be a distraction and you're going to be a pain in my butt. And so I'd rather just give you the car, feel incredibly self-righteous, put it in a message, you know, promote myself just a little bit and just go, 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 go. Just get out of here, you know. Isn't that right? I'd rather put money in a plate and then you take the money and go do something with it so I can get on with my life. But when you have to share with people, holy moly, that's tough. I hate sharing. <laughs> it's true. I don't like it. I don't even like sharing my tools because they never come back the same. And then I get upset. And then I say things. And then I feel bad. And and we're not good at sharing in this culture. It's not like us. We just assume not. We'd rather just own it. But that was part of their culture. 
You see, living fully is not about being so absorbed in me and mine. It's in giving your life to him and to the them that he put into your life. It's giving your life to him and to the people that he planted you right in the middle of. Think about this last week in the light of this currency. Were you rich in good deeds? You say, um, it was a busy week, so that's a no. Were you, were, you, were you generous with you, with your importance, with, your, with, with how valuable you are and your attention is? Were you, were, were, you, were you generous with you? Did I mention it was a busy week? Okay, that's strike two. Were you willing to share? Did you share anything with anybody? Did you share your money? Did you buy somebody lunch? Did, you, did I mention I was busy? Yeah. Well, you know, according to this economy, which is a kingdom economy, you suck. <laughs> Proverbs says this. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Now, listen to this. This is my key phrase. This is the one sentence. If you forget them all and you listen to this one, you'll walk away with something. When you give of yourself, you put your resource into circulation. And you say, God, you can take this and use this to bring the kingdom of heaven to the earth. When you give of yourself, and you hear me say this all the time, but you, you, you have a different flavor than anybody that's ever lived on the earth. You smell different than any human beings ever, ever smelt on the earth because your DNA is different from every human being. And the thing that makes you unique makes you divine. There's something about your personality and your perspective and your insight that is absolutely beautiful. There is something about your ability to read people and situations. There's something about your, the, 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 the things that make you laugh and the things that make you cry, that, that make you divine. And every time you take this beautiful, divine part of you and you serve someone else with it, you say, in Jesus' name, I want to give this away. I'm going to love this person. I'm going to write a card. I'm going to send a text. I'm going to share something. You're putting it in circulation. And the Father says, I can use that. I can use that because you know what? This is what the father does. He takes what is already beautiful, what is already creative, what is already unique. And then he wraps his Holy Spirit around it. And it is fortified with life and energy and healing and grace. He invests in your investment. He invests in your, what you've put into circulation. And when he uses it, it, changes people it impacts people it shifts people you know it's funny uh, by the way the worship team can come on up uh, I think Bible school is funny like I I don't know what I spent all the time I, I don't know what I learned in all the time I spent in Bible school and then I went to seminary for three years 
I have no idea what I did for three years in seminary. I think somewhere in there, they were trying to teach me to be, to be amazing. And since I've graduated, I've discovered this is how you be amazing, okay? You can give me a tuition fee if you want, but it's free, okay? But if you would like to tithe to me, um, it's edweiss at shaw.ca. Just uh, <laughs> e-transfers work, anything works, actually PayPal works. Uh, but it's this. this, this will make you amazing. Let people see who you really are. Good, bad, or ugly. Let them see who you are. Let them see who God is to you, okay? And then be there for them. Be there for them. I was talking to uh, a, a, a man who owns a fairly large development company and, and he goes on to the sites and his greatest joy, one of his greatest joy other than building good buildings and developing great communities is he's on the sites and, and he's accessible to, to the guys that work for him and the guys that work with him and they, they pull him aside and they have coffee and they have a beer and they pour their souls out on him and he is there for them. And they'll get a note from him a week later saying, I'm still thinking about you. I'm still praying for you. I still care about you. He said the life that moves, the, 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 the sense of God's life and healing that moves through that, he said is absolutely so profound. He doesn't know why somebody never told him to do this before. In Mark chapter six, and I'm gonna be done here pretty quick. I love this story because the disciples are spent. They've come through a season where they've been caring for people and caring for people and caring for people and caring for people. And now they're exhausted. And they're trying to get Jesus to, to make the people go away. And they say, they said, this is a remote place. And it's already very late. Uh, Jesus, could you like send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat? And Jesus answered them and he said, you give them something to eat. They said that would take eight months of a man's wages. Are we to go out and spend that much money on bread and give it to them to eat? And Jesus said, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. What's he doing? He's saying, what do you have that you can put into circulation? What do you have that you can put into circulation that God can invest in, wrap his spirit, his provision around? What do you have that he can bring the kingdom of heaven to the earth? What do you have to give? I mean, it's interesting. Jesus could have just as easily said, guys, I know you're tired. Sit this one out. I will deal with it. Okay. And he could. And, but this is much more than just about feeding 15,000 people. Because what they brought him wasn't enough to feed five men. But then Jesus took it and he broke it and he blessed it. And who did he give it to? He didn't give it to the people. He gave it to the disciples. He said, you feed them. And all the people know is that, wow, there's food. Wow. Well, I'm full. Wow. Well, that was cool. 
But it was the disciples who are the only ones that know where the miracle came from. How did that happen? They watched it happen again. And then he said, now you go pick up the scraps. It's your investment. It's what you are putting in circulation, your time, your energy, and you watch what I do with it. So God will take whatever you put into circulation. He wraps himself around it and it changes everything. Okay, so my friend Rick, I was like 20, last story. Um, and uh, he had become a Christian. But this whole church thing was kind of new to him. And I just think that's so, but he was all in. He, was, he drank the juice. He was all in. He, 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 he was just really prepared to follow Jesus, you know. And um, so he ended up, uh, uh, he, he, he lived with four other guys and their, their, their house was a mess. And he slept in and he's just barely putting clothes on as he runs out to church. And then he realizes, oh, today's picnic Sunday. Now, if you've never been to a church picnic, it kind of goes like this. The church provides the Dixie cup ice cream and pop. And sometimes the hot dogs. But you bring your own lunch, okay? And, and then you kind of have a church service in the morning. You eat your own lunch together with the whole church. And then you play games in the afternoon. And so he, he thinks, oh, I got, I, got to, I got to get something to eat. So he goes into the fridge. And as per usual, there's not a single thing to eat in the fridge. There's a jar of mayonnaise with some mayonnaise stuck on the side. But that's about it. He goes to the, to the microwave where they usually keep the bread and the bag is there and it's got two dried ends on it. And so he takes these things out and they are crispy and ripe. And he scratches some mayonnaise on these two ends. And then he goes looking for meat. Somewhere in the back of the meat tray, there's a curled shriveled piece of ham that went to heaven several weeks ago. He figures it looks like a sandwich, it smells like a sandwich, it'll taste like a sandwich. And he puts it together, sticks it in a bag, and goes to the church picnic. True story. They have their morning service, and, 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 and uh, everybody runs to the car to get their lunches. And Mrs. Rudy, she, she uh, he, he, first of all, Rick goes and he takes the, 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 the picnic table, the, the, the furthest picnic table because he doesn't want anybody to catch whatever his sandwich is carrying. And, um, and, and, uh, and so he's sitting there and he's kind of ashamed of his sandwich and his lunch and everything. Like, and, and here comes Miss Ruby and she is carrying a, a wheeled picnic basket. And she literally starts to put fried chicken. Um, not mashed potatoes. Um, uh, potato salad on the thing. Corn on the thing and she, she's got potato chips and she's got a pie in fact she's got so much food that, that there's no room for anything else and she sits there and my friend Rick is looking at this pathetic thing called a sandwich and Mrs. Ruby goes hey I have an idea if you'll pray for the meal, why don't we just put it all together? We'll put our lunches together. We'll put them both together. We'll just put it all together and share it. What do you think? What guy in his right mind would turn that down? He 
kind of shoved the sandwich off the table during prayer and they put it all together. And the Father comes to you and the Father comes to me. And he says, if you actually put into circulation what you are, I will add all that I am to it. Why don't we just put it all together? And he comes to you and he comes to me and he says, what do you have to give? Go and see. Because whatever you bring to the table, I'll bring all of my lunch to. And we'll change people. And we'll feed people. And we will encourage people. And we'll give them hope. And we'll leave them better than we found them. Father, in Jesus' name, I don't think we realize I don't think that we realize that the power that you have put in us to make a difference. I don't think we realize, Father, the mission and the joy of the mission that you have called us to. I pray that we be a people that, that are rich in doing, that are rich in giving, that are rich, Father, in, in, in sharing our lives. Wake us up, Father. Give us eyes to see opportunities to put into circulation some of the beautiful nature that you've given to us, the beautiful personality, the heart of giving. And we pray these things, Father. We pray these things for your glory. In Jesus' name.